have an anchor that keeps the soul. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. You and I, we believe the power of the gospel. We believe in the power of the gospel, don't we? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, of course, being good news. And there's a lot of factual news that people need to hear as revealed in God's Word. We live in a day and time in which many people have talked about fake news, and there is a lot of fake news out there. And you know, it might be the case that some of the fake news that is being perpetuated in our world today, it might, it might impact us economically, politically, socially, etc. But the fake news that I want to talk about today has to do with the gospel of Christ. And really the idea is that there are a lot of things that are propagated and believed, even practiced by people. In their heart of hearts, they believe that the things that we're going to be talking about today with regard to fake news, they believe that it's in the Bible. The fact of the matter is, when you begin a thorough and careful examination of God's Word, you'll find that there are a lot of things that people think are truth, but in reality are not truth. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about. So I want to just Begin today by calling your attention to our theme, fake news. And as I said a moment ago, there are a lot of people in our world today, a lot of concern about the fake news that is being promulgated by our news industry. And whether or not what they are reporting is factual or not, you'll have to make that decision. But I do know that in the realm of religion, there are a lot of things that are preached and practiced that upon further investigation are not found in Scripture. Let me just give you some things to consider today with me as we begin this study. And I want to just call some things to your attention that you're well aware of, maybe. Might be the case you're not. But I want you to think about this. And again, as we talk about this particular subject, remember again what Peter said, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we are to prove all things, test all things. In other words, we are to examine what we hear in light of God's holy word. And then the admonition to hold fast that which is good. You remember the ancient Bereans. They were commended by Almighty God and by the, or rather by the sacred writer Luke because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether the things that they heard were true. That being the case, let me just begin by calling attention to some things that many, many people in our world today, they genuinely believe are in Scripture, but they're not. If I were to ask you, what kind of fruit did Adam and Eve partake of in the garden? What would you say? I know what most people would say. They would tell you they ate an apple. Now listen, I don't know what kind of fruit they ate I do know this, God said, they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. The Bible is as silent as it can be with regard to the kind of fruit the first couple ate in that utopian environment called Eden. And then what about 
for example, in the New Testament. We read about the birth of Jesus, don't we? And you remember a lot of emphasis is given to the wise men who came from the east. They had seen this star in the east, and they came for the purpose of worshiping the infant Jesus. Now the Bible says that they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So how many wise men were there? A lot of people would say, how many? Three? That's what I've always heard. There were three wise men. Now, there may have been two. I know, that there, I know there was more than one. Might have been two, might have been three, might have been five for all I know. The point is, the Bible does not say how many wise men there were. Yesterday in our world, the vast majority of religious people observed the birth of Jesus. When was Jesus born? Do you know of a scripture that would identify for us a date for the birth of Jesus? Now, I know what the world says, December 25th. But you can search the scriptures until Jesus comes again. There is no evidence that Jesus was born on December 25th. There are a lot of theories as to when he was born. Some would say that he was born in the summertime. Others have made the case that he was born in the spring of the year. And then others would say in the month of October. The bottom line is we just don't know. We have no idea. Now, I'm grateful for a time of year when people think about spiritual things. Is it possible that as people begin to investigate about the Christ, that they would come to a better understanding of who the Christ is and of His will for them in life? Well, the answer is yes. Paul said, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem them that were under the law. So Jesus came to earth, robed in human flesh. The Word became flesh. We can read about that. Now the Bible does tell us that there is a day that we are to honor the Lord. Not just one day in the year, but every first day of the week. We remember His death on Calvary, don't we? Now listen, whether or not you believe that Adam and Eve partook of a certain type of fruit in the garden, listen, that's, that's up for debate. That is not a quote-unquote salvation issue. Whether you have concluded that there were two or three or four or five wise men, again, that's for you to determine. But there are some things that have been passed upon religious people that quite frankly are not found in Scripture. And the things that I want to talk about for a moment or two, the things that many people in the religious world preach and practice are for in the Scripture, and not just for in the Scripture, but they ultimately will impact the salvation of one's soul. So what about this idea of baptism? You know, I hear a lot of people in the religious world that will say that baptism is an outward sign of an inward faith. I do not in any way want this to come across as arrogant or caustic, but I would like this, for someone to give me a scripture. Just give me one Bible verse that teaches that principle. I don't know of a single verse in the New Testament that teaches baptism is a sign or symbol of our salvation. It is not for the purpose of showing our outward faith or inward faith. And then there are those that would say, well, you know what, baptism, it's important, but you don't have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. Now you see, that's fake news. The gospel is the good news. 
And there are a lot of people in our world today, they have in their heart of hearts the idea, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. They would say that baptism is an outward sign of an inward faith and that they're baptized because they've already believed in the Lord, been saved. Is that what the Bible teaches? Is baptism an imperative in our salvation? Well, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28, 18. And God the Father said concerning the Son when He was transfigured on the mountaintop, God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then listen to what He said, Hear Him. Now if we talk about Jesus and our admiration for the Lord, our desire to put into practice His teaching, it would stand to reason that we would want to take the entirety of His teaching. So does it matter whether or not I'm baptized in order to go to heaven? Well, here's what Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized, now listen to this, shall be saved. Do you have to be baptized into Jesus Christ to be saved? Well, if you believe the teaching of Jesus, then the answer would be in the affirmative. Absolutely. Unequivocally. It's not up for debate. If you want to go to heaven based upon the teaching, the simple teaching of the Son of God, Jesus said, number one, he that believes. Number two, is baptized. Number three, will be saved. There is not an easier to be understood sentence in divine scripture. That's understandable on a first grade level. You believe, you're baptized, and then you're saved. Well, what about on Pentecost Day? On Pentecost Day, the apostles were preaching under the supervision, the direction of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, Acts 2, verse 4. And the Bible says that the apostle Peter and the other apostles, they preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Peter pointed out that Jesus has been raised from the dead to sit upon a spiritual throne, that is, David's throne, where he now rules and reigns. So you have the coronation of the Christ. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Peter said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus, whom you crucified, is both Lord and Christ. When they heard this, that is, when they heard the gospel preached in its fullness for the very first time, Luke said they were cut to the heart. They were pricked in their heart. And they wanted to know, men and brethren, what shall we do? Bear in mind, Peter and the other apostles are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus told Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, that he would build his church. And he said, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys signifying authority. Pentecost day, the apostles received the keys of the kingdom. And they took those keys and unlocked the doors into the kingdom of God or church. So when they wanted to know, men and brethren, what shall we do? What was it Peter said? Did Peter say, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to bow your heads and please say this prayer with me. And once you have said this prayer, I want you to then go and find a church to belong to. Is that what, is that what he said? Now, I want you to just think for a minute. There are a lot of people, they believe Adam and Eve... They believe in their heart of hearts. The Bible teaches that Adam and Eve partook of an apple in the garden. There are those that espouse the idea that there were three wise men. And then there are many, many people in our world today, they genuinely believe Jesus was born on December 25th. But you see how as you begin to partake, bit by bit, piece by piece, fables, fake news, gradually you get to things that are incredibly important. Listen, the devil doesn't care 
what would ultimately lead to the condemnation of your soul. He just wants you to be lost. So it doesn't matter to him whether it's a moral issue, doesn't matter to him whether it's idolatry, or just a willingness to turn your ear from divine truth. Really doesn't matter to him. So Jesus said that salvation is a result of what? Belief and baptism into Christ. Peter said that repentance and baptism lead to the remission of sins. Listen to him. He said you need to repent. And then he said, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by his authority. For what purpose? For the remission of your sins. In other words, so that your sins might be remitted or forgiven. So may I kindly ask you this question. If that's what the Apostle Peter taught, and Peter was being guided by the Holy Spirit, he had been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What leads me to conclude that I can do something other than what the Lord taught and be saved? Now you just think about that for a minute. If that's exactly what Peter said, if it's what Jesus taught, and I say I love Jesus, I respect the Word of God, then why would I turn a deaf ear to what the Bible teaches? Baptism is for salvation, Mark 16, 16. It is for the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. It is for the washing away of sins, Acts 22, 16. To say that baptism is not an imperative, that it is not essential to the salvation of one's soul, is a complete and utter contradiction of what Jesus taught, of what the Apostle Peter taught, of what the Apostle Paul taught. So who's right? Many of us have seen on television the Billy Graham crusade. And for years, people would attend those rallies. Thousands upon thousands of people would literally fill stadiums. And they would listen to Billy Graham preach and teach about Jesus. When they arrived, they were lost if they hadn't obeyed the gospel. When Billy Graham would come to the conclusion of his lesson, he would tell those people, here's what you need to do. Recite this prayer and you'll be saved. Could I kindly say to you, those people in their heart of hearts, they believed that what they were doing put them into Christ Jesus. Based upon the teaching of our Lord, they left just as lost as before they got there. Now that's serious stuff. And so you think about the consequences of not obeying the teaching of our Lord. Listen, when people tell, when people tell you, you don't have to be baptized into Christ to go to heaven. When they say that's an outward sign of an inward faith, when they tell you you're saved by grace and grace alone, you can mark it down, that is fake news. That's false news. It is not divine truth. And I would challenge anybody to go through the book of Acts and show me one account. You've got some 10 cases of conversions in the book of Acts. Not one single solitary time do you ever read of any of those individuals praying to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I do read about Saul of Tarsus. When the Lord met him on the road to Damascus, the Bible says for three days, Saul was fasting and praying. Well, if he had been saved, why then did Ananias come and say to him, and why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. If Saul was saved as those in the denominational world teach, there was no need to be baptized into Christ for the washing away of his sins. But the fact of the matter is, the only way my sins can be washed away is to be buried in a watery grave of baptism. When I'm buried with Christ in baptism, I contact the blood of Jesus Christ. 
When I contact the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that I also become a part of the body of Christ, which leads me to another thought. How many people in our world today will tell you that the church is unimportant in the grand scheme of things? I've heard people say, you know what, you don't have to be a member of the church to go to heaven. Really? You must know more than the Apostle Paul. Listen, the idea that the church is not important in the grand scheme of things is fake news. It's false to the core. The church exists because of the eternal purpose of Almighty God, Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. Jesus promised to build His church, Matthew 16, verse 18, didn't He? The Lord Jesus did not build His church on the Apostle Peter, as some allege. When Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, based upon that bedrock statement, Jesus said, and I also say unto you that you're Peter. The word Peter is in the masculine gender, Petros. It means a small stone, a pebble. Jesus said, I also say unto you that you're Peter upon this rock. The word rock is feminine in nature, Petros. And that word means a large rock. In other words, a large stone. So when Jesus said, I'm going to build the church, what he was saying is, I'm going to build the church based upon what you just affirmed, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Jesus promised to build the church. He bought it with his blood, didn't he? Acts 20, verse 28. If Jesus bought the church with his blood, then what would ever give me the right to say, well, you know, the church is a non-entity. I mean, it's really not that imperative. Because Jesus' life did. And when the apostle Peter preached on Pentecost Day to those who were assembled in Jerusalem and told them to repent and be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, verse 41 says some 3,000 people obeyed the gospel on that day. Verse 47 says the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So the world says, and many people in the denominational world say it, will tell you, really doesn't matter what church you belong to. You don't even have to be a member of the church. Number one, you do have to be a member of the church. And the one who adds people to the church is the Lord. Acts 2 verse 47. And that occurs when we're baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3? Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5 he said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul said, By one Spirit were you all baptized, listen to him, into one body. There is only one church, one body, that is authorized in the New Testament. That's the Lord's church. And listen, if it's the Lord's church, then it has to wear the name of our Lord, doesn't it? Names mean something, don't they? Now I can read about the church of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. I can read about the church. The ecclesia, some 95 times in the New Testament. I can read about the churches of Christ in Romans 16, 16. There is no given name that we must wear other than we must wear a biblical name. We could call ourselves members of the church of God. We could just say, I'm a member of the church. Or I'm a member of the church of Christ, denoting possession. Christ is the one who bought the church. He built the church. It belongs to Him, doesn't it? So does it matter whether or not I've been baptized into Christ and am a part of the body of Christ? Well, don't take my word for it. You need to hear what the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul. 
In Ephesians 5.23, the Bible says, And he that is Christ, listen to him, is the Savior of the body. Can you be saved outside the body of Christ? Absolutely not. Well, how do you get into the body? You're baptized into Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Whereby you contact the blood that washes away all sins. Acts 22, 16. Wherein you enjoy the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2, verse 38. Also, it's where you enjoy salvation. Mark 16, 16. Listen, that's not about it. That's it. It's what we call book, chapter, verse, isn't it? Isn't that what Peter said? If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. I don't have the authority to teach you anything other than what's in that book. That's it. And listen, don't take my word for it. You make sure to investigate. You make sure and do your own homework. Remember in Luke chapter 4, Jesus in chapter 4 of the book of Luke is pictured as going into the synagogue. When he entered the synagogue, the attendant gave him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Bible says that Jesus opened the book and found where it was written. Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and so on. Listen, and please listen very carefully. With regard to your salvation, can you open this book called the Bible and find where it is written what you did? Can you open this book and show me from this book the church that you belong to? If you can't read the name of your church or organization in this book, could I please tell you in the kindest way I know how, you are not a member of the church you read about in the Bible. Listen, we live in a touchy-feely, emotional world where you can't say anything about anything, you can't say anything about anything without, without offending somebody. Look, I'm not here to offend anybody. But Paul said, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? If you stay in error and you stay in spiritual darkness, you'll be lost. And the only thing that will save souls is the truth of Almighty God. Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. The Bible says God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You can't divorce divine truth from the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't do it. So what we're talking about is incredibly relevant. There are a lot of people in our world today, they're basing their salvation on what somebody else said, on some type of tradition that's been handed down. The vast bulk of the denominational world, they tell people, all you have to do is say the sinner's prayer and you're going, to be, you're going to become a child of God. Just show me where that's written. Give me book, chapter, and verse for that. You say you don't have to be a member of the church to go to heaven. Well, just give me book, chapter, and verse. I just need, just need some scripture. There is not a church on earth authorized to exist other than the Lord's church. And there's just one church. Now that cuts against the grain of what many people in our world today believe. But I want you to hear what Paul said. He is the head of the body, which is the church. Well, how many bodies or churches are there? Well, the Bible says there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, through all and in all. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Well, what then is the one body? In Ephesians 1, the Bible says He put all things in subjection under His feet and made Him to be head over all things to the body, all things to the church, which is His body. So there's just one body, there's just one church. Can I be saved outside the church of Christ, the body of Christ? Well, that ought to be obvious. The Bible says He's the Savior of the body. Now, there are people in our world today that will tell you, well, you know, the kingdom hasn't yet been established. 
I mean, Jesus is going to come again. And He's going to establish His kingdom in Palestine. They'll rebuild the temple. And there He will sit and rule and reign for a thousand years. Let me just ask you this question. Where do you read that in the Scriptures? Where is that written? Can you give me a verse for that? No, Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 1, There are some of you standing here that shall not taste death till you see the kingdom of God come with power. When did He make that statement? Nearly 2,000 years ago. Now, either Jesus told the truth or what He said was fake news. And if that's the case, we can't trust anything He said. The kingdom did come with power, didn't it? When was that? Pentecost Day. Where? In Jerusalem. Well, what was the time frame? In the days of the Roman kings. You see how Scripture harmonizes? And there are so many people in our world today, they are so skewed in their understanding of divine truth. I know what people say. Well, you know, you folks are just arrogant. And you think you're the only ones going to heaven. Listen, I'm telling you, this is what the Bible teaches. What I think has little bearing on the subject. What matters is what did the Lord say? You make sure what you practice, what you believe, is found in this book. If it's not found in this book, my recommendation to you, you better run as fast as you can. Look, you can't go to heaven and not obey the truth of the gospel. You can't go to heaven and not be baptized into Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't go to heaven and not be a member of the church of Christ. When I say church of Christ, what do I mean? I do not mean the church of Christ denomination. The church of Christ is not a denomination. It is non-denominational. It is pre-denominational. When the apostles preached and taught the gospel in the first century, and people believed and obeyed the gospel, they became a member of the only church in existence at that time. Well, what church was that? The church? Well, what church? The church of God? Well, what church? The churches of Christ? Now, that's what the Bible teaches. What was it Peter said? If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, He's not coming to set up the kingdom of God, but rather Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, He's coming to deliver the kingdom up to God. That's what the Bible teaches. I would hope and pray that we would think seriously about what the Bible teaches. You know, a lot of people want to base their salvation on feelings. Well, I just feel in my heart I'm saved. Listen, Jeremiah said, The heart's deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Well, I just think, listen, you better not base your salvation on how you feel. You better base it on facts. Well, what fact? Facts of the gospel. You make sure that what you believe, what you practice, is found in this book. Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but my Father who is in heaven. He said, Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name, in your name cast out demons, in your name done many mighty works. Were they religious? Absolutely. Had they been on distant shores preaching and teaching the gospel in the name of Christ? Not doubting that a bit. Had they made great sacrifice? The Lord didn't deny that either, did He? Well, what was the problem? They didn't do the will of the Father in heaven. See how important this is? It may be that you're here today and you have been taught you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. It's not what the Bible teaches. It may be that you have been led to believe you can just join any church or you don't even have to be a member of the church to go to heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, there are a lot of folks have this idea that once you're saved, you, you never fall from grace. Well, Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, that those who were seeking justification by the law, listen to him, he said, you are fallen from grace. If you can fall from grace, then who would you believe? Who will you believe? Will you believe what the Bible teaches or will you believe what you've heard? out in the world. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, it has been reported to me by the household of Chloe. 
You may have heard a lot of things. What I want to know is, have you heard the truth? I know this is a hard lesson. There are a lot of folks, maybe that you're here today, maybe you're watching via our live stream. You've never heard this before. I want to encourage you, you, re you read and study this book. You demonstrate the open-mindedness of the Bereans. They had an open heart and they had an open Bible. And they searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Again, don't take my word for it. You make sure that what you believe, what you practice is found right here in this book. Truth and truth alone save. A lot of fake news out there. And it's not just the various television works propagating fake news. A lot of fake news being propagated in the religious world. If you're here today and you haven't obeyed the gospel, my plea to you would be to come to Christ. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. The promise being, I'll give you rest. From what? From sin. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Verse 36, John chapter 8, Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, He said, you're free indeed. Free from the shackles. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from the consequences of sin. Paul said, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus. Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sin? Baptism preceded by faith in the Lord, repentance, and confession. And then, are you faithful? Are you living in compliance with the will of Almighty God? Are you walking in the light? If not, could we encourage you to make whatever changes need to be made in your life so that one day you can go to heaven? Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Listen to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.